Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us to tonight to spend time in reflection on this Good Friday. Good Friday is typically a day in which we spend time reflecting and mourning the loss of Jesus' earthly life. So today, as we remember, that Jesus willingly suffered and died by crucifixion as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. So this year, we chose to remember Jesus' life by having our own funeral service for him, modernizing it a bit so that we can connect with him. Oftentimes, when we think about Jesus, we focus on his lordship, his godness, his majesty, which are all good things, and why that's important. Scripture also tells us that he was both fully God and fully man. So tonight, as we go throughout this service, our prayer is that you would be able to focus on Jesus' earthly life, that he was human, that he had family, friends, he had impact in his community, and he held hope for many believers. Those in the first century believed that Jesus came to overthrow the government, to give them peace in their current time. And yet, as we know, he died. So tonight, we mourn his earthly body before moving on to the hope of Easter. In a moment, we will sing through a song together. But before we do, let me pray for us. Dear God, we remember today the pain and the suffering of the cross and all that Jesus was willing to endure so that we could be set free. He paid the price, the ultimate and greatest sacrifice to offer us the gift of eternal life. Help us to never take for granted this huge gift of love on our behalf. Help us to remember the cost of it all and forgive us for when we're too busy or too distracted by other things and not fully recognizing what you've freely given and the price that you paid for us. Thank you, Lord, that by your wounds we are healed. Thank you that because of your sacrifice, we can live free. Thank you that you took our punishment upon yourself and offered this gift to us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, remember. 
Jesus Christ, 33 of Nazareth, died today on Mount Calvary, also known as Golgotha, the place of the skull. Betrayed by the apostle Judas, Jesus was crucified by the Romans by the order of the ruler Pontius Pilate. The causes of death being crucifixion, extreme exhaustion, severe torture, and loss of blood. Jesus Christ, a descendant of Abraham, was a member of the house of David. He was the son of Joseph, a carpenter of Nazareth, and Mary, his devoted mother. Jesus was born in a stable in the city of Bethlehem in Judea. He is survived by his mother Mary, his faithful apostles, numerous disciples, and many other followers. He is preceded in death by his father Joseph. Jesus was self-educated and spent most of his adult life working as a teacher. Jesus also occasionally worked as a medical doctor and is reported to have healed many patients. Up until the time of his death, Jesus was teaching and sharing the good news, healing the sick, serving his disciples, touching the lonely, feeding the hungry, and helping the poor. Jesus was most noted for telling parable about, ter- parables about his father's kingdom and per- performing miracles such as feeding over 5,000 people with only five loaves of bread and two fish and healing a man who was born blind. On the day before his death, he held the last supper celebrating the Passover feast at which he foretold his death. In lieu of flowers, family and friends have requested that everyone try to live as Jesus did. Donations may be sent to anyone in need.
So on behalf of Life Church, we want to welcome you as we, again, take an opportunity um, to do a funeral service. And I know for some of you that's awkward maybe to come in on a Good Friday service and do a funeral, but here's what I want you to see is that until you understand the death of Jesus and the agony that Jesus went through, you can't truly understand the resurrection. I mean, think of it this way. A lot of us in this room have lost somebody we loved, right? Somebody that we deeply cared for. And I know for myself and probably for many of you, maybe the first words out of your mouth after a day or two has went by is if I could just have one more conversation. Anybody? Like, if they would just show up at the table, I have something to tell them. I have something to talk about. I wish I would have said, right? Well, imagine this. Three days later, they show up at your table. <laughs> now, tell me you wouldn't be overwhelmed. Tell me you wouldn't be super excited, right? Like, you wouldn't be like, oh, my gosh, you're back. How did that happen? Well, part of the problem with the church is, is that we forget to sit in this whole week, right? The whole Holy Week experience. The idea that Jesus not only went to a cross and died, but he suffered, right? He, he struggled. I mean, imagine this. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was so agonized by the idea of what was to come. You know, because the part that Corinne talked about that Jesus was fully God and fully human, we had to understand that he had emotions of a human being. And he knew what was going to come because he was fully God. So imagine this. We all know the end of the story of how he was tortured, how he was crucified, the way that he was beat, Scripture tells us, beyond human recognition. And he goes through the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked this question. If I don't have to do it, God, can I get out of it? It's kind of a summary, right? But what he says is, like, I know this is the cup that you have for me, but if it could pass, right, if this cup passes, take this cup from me, because at this point, there's so much anxiety in the life of Jesus that he's actually sweating blood. That's how much anxiety so what takes a man who is fully man and fully God to go through with it? You and me. You know, I think so many times we celebrate the resurrection, right? Like we're super excited because Jesus died and now you can go to heaven. But he died for so much more than you going to heaven. He didn't sacrifice his entire life to come from heaven so that we could just be excited about something to happen someday. Right? Like it is super exciting that we all get to live in eternity, that we all get to go to heaven, but his sacrifice and his death was not just for that. It was so that you could enjoy life and life to the fullest, so that you could understand what it would be like to live, not only just seeing him, because like for us, it would be like, oh, we get to see him and they're physically with us and we get to talk to him. But, but Jesus was even one step further. Not only are you going to physically see him, he's going to live in you. 
right, which is significantly different than somebody just showing up in the room and saying, hey, and having a conversation with them. He's going to say, like, listen, I'm coming, and I'm going to live in you, and I'm going to live with you, and I never, ever will forsake you. I'm never going to leave. I'm never going to walk away. Like, that's pretty profound, right? And so the reason for Good Friday, in fact, Sarah and I were talking about this earlier today, like, we should probably do this more often, right? Like, we should remember more often the death and the sacrifice of Christ because it reminds us the cost in which was paid for you to have the freedom in Jesus, right? And that we should remember those things not just on a day, right? It's not just in a moment, but every day that we get up and make decisions, we should make decisions based upon a man who gave everything for us and we barely have anything to give back. True? A man who would give his entire life for us and yet we would choose to barely have any time for him. So the reminder of the Good Friday service, this is our hope, to being able to come together is, is that we'll let this sit for a while, right? Like what did his sacrifice, what did his death, what, what did those things look like for those people? Because, you know, every time somebody dies, and if you haven't experienced this yet, you will, and so I'll give you a little precursor on how it works, but when somebody close to you dies, it doesn't have to be somebody that's in your family, but somebody that you love dies, some things happen. Like a lot of emotions happen, but in those emotions, there are certain things that we process, right? Well, one of the things is, is that you recognize, I think most of you can probably remember significantly, like if a person that you truly love died, you can probably remember where you were when you found out, right? And this is why, because regardless what you're doing in life, death pauses things. It just does. You can be as busy, you can have a million things going on, but when somebody dies, life pauses. And in those pauses of life, right, in those moments where things stop, whether you want to do this or not, you're going to reflect, right? That's what happens, right? When, when somebody in your life passes away, you pause, and in those pauses, right, you, you take these opportunities to reflect. So think of it in the, the idea of the disciples, right? So the disciples were, I mean, everything was going right, right? So if you follow the Holy Week, they were going into Jerusalem, and people were throwing down palm branches. They were the celebrities. Everything was going the way that it was supposed to go, and then life pauses. Anybody ever had that? Everything's going the way you thought it should. And then for whatever reason, God chooses to interrupt your life. And you don't know what to do with the interruption. Right? Well, in those moments or in those interruptions, right, it's the times that we reflect. And we reflect like with a lot of things, right? One of the things that happens every time to people is you reflect on your own mortality. Right? One of the things that you remember Life is short. Anybody relate? Because regardless of the age of the person that's died, 
It's never enough time, is it? You never get enough, right? And so for the disciples, this wasn't just, oh my gosh, like, like Jesus is gone. They, like everybody, would have been, could we just had one more year? Could we just had six more months, right? Well, the, for them, they would go through the same thing that we do, is, is that, you know, if we could just get some more time, but then you start thinking, well, I wonder how much time I have. Anybody ever thought that? <laughs> I, wonder, I, wonder, I wonder when my day is going to be. You know, and in those times, and I think this is where the disciples were too. So when you get to those moments and you start reflecting, and you start thinking through your own life and your own mortality, and you start thinking, like, what if it would have been me? Would I have been ready? Would my family be ready? Like, you start reflecting upon what that would look like. Well, the disciples were the same place. They were at a place saying, you know what? It could be us. Why do you think they were hiding in an upper room? Right after Jesus' death, why, why, even before Jesus was crucified, they ran. Why did they run? Because they feared for their own life. And once Jesus was crucified, it was the same thing. This could happen to me. So, Here's one of the things that if you haven't realized this, this is true. Once you recognize that your days are numbered, you tend to get very focused, right? And sometimes those focuses aren't that good, just like for the disciples, they were focused on fear, right? They were focused on everything that was going on around them, right? And, and not maybe some of the words that Jesus had given them in the past, and they were focused on that fear and they were focused on what was happening in the here and now and kind of forgetting that, you know, Jesus told them that this would come. Like Jesus told them this day was coming. It's just they didn't listen, right? And when you hear that, here's the other thing that you need to hear. Your day's coming too. That one of the things that we recognize in this is that all of our days are numbered, and our day is coming too. So what do you do with that, right? Where do we go with those things? Well, for the disciples, the, the other thing that happens in the lives of people is, is that you try to figure out what to lean into. When, when somebody dies, you don't, a, a lot of times when it's somebody close to you, you don't have the strength on your own. Like you need to lean into something. And so you call somebody or you get with family or you surround yourself with other people because you need something to lean on, right? You need somewhere to go. And for the disciples at the time, in this moment, they were leaning on each other. And we don't really know, right, what was, what was being said or what was happening, but we do know by our own experience that when death comes, we all lean on something. That we all put our faith in something. In fact, when we look at our own mortality, when we look at all of the things that are happening in our life, what we lean into will determine where you go in the future. And, and I want you to hear this because as we see how the disciples, we see the end of their story, but this story could win a lot of different ways, right? Like we've read the end of this story, but we have to understand or recognize that 
what they leaned into, this is what we're assuming, right? I don't think that they were just sitting up in that room and being like, oh my gosh, I don't, I mean, you know, even though they had fear, I think they were leaning into God. Like, I don't think they were up there. These were, these were Jewish children, right? People that had grown up with an understanding of who God was. And they were looking for the Messiah. And although they thought at this time our Messiah was gone, they still kept believing in God. Like, I don't think at any time you would convince me that they weren't believing in God in a time. They were just confused like all of us are during death. Why? (laughs) Why take him? Why at this time? Why wasn't the things that we wanted accomplished? Like, why don't these things happen? Right, like a lot of why questions. You know, and I think they had a lot of why questions, but I think at the end of the day, they also leaned into God. In fact, in Scripture, here's what it says in Isaiah 43, two through three. And I think Isaiah the prophet wrote this because he knew that every single person will struggle at some point and believe that the situation is too overwhelming, right? Like the situation that you're in is, is too much for you to bear. And situations of life, one of the things that you'll recognize there's nothing more overwhelming than the death of someone you love. Life circumstances are hard and life circumstances are difficult, but when somebody close to you passes away, that's a circumstance that feels very overwhelming. And you know why? Because something will be missing for the rest of your life. You can't fix it. I don't care what anybody tells you, right? People are like, oh, you know, it's gonna be better, all these things are, and it does get better. All of the grief process, like that's all something you're gonna work for, but you, or work through, but you can't replace the person. Anybody that's experienced this, like you can't replace that. Like that will never be replaced. So God says, when something is missing, you have a choice, right? To either be overwhelmed or to understand the promise given to us in Isaiah 43. In Isaiah 43, verse two, it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You see how he's talking about life? <laughs> when you go through the stream and you feel like the water's gonna drown you, like when you go through the fire and the fire feels like it's gonna consume you, he says, it's not. You know why it's not? Because of this promise. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You see, I think this is where the disciples were. Streams are rising, (laughs) the the flames are blazing, but at the end of the day, I think they leaned into and said, but he's still God. Like, I don't know what the future's gonna bring. I don't know how this is all gonna turn out. I don't know what's gonna happen. I know that it seems like this is never going to be good, but we are gonna lean into something, right? And that's the promise for each one of us, right? That we gotta lean into something. And when life becomes overwhelming or where death happens in your life, what are you gonna lean into? something that will grow your faith or something that will take it away? 
right? And so for each one of us, we got to lean into what they said, is lean into God. The other thing that happens, you know, at every funeral, and it's one of the greatest blessings that I have as a person who gets to do, you know, numerous different funerals throughout, you know, the course of the 20 years that have been in ministry. But one of the greatest things is for somebody that you know is to be able to eulogize or to talk about their life, right? Like, celebrate. This was a life. This was, these were memories, you know, because that's the other thing that happens in death is you remember all the times you had, right? Like, automatically, it's like, all, do you remember when, and do you remember when, and do you remember when, and some of those memories are short, and some of those memories are long, but in a funeral, it gives the opportunity for us to be like, here's some memories. Here's some things to hold on to, right? Until you see that person again. Here's some things that you can do, and I think for the disciples, it would have been the same way. They would have been thinking about memories, right? Do you remember when we did, and do you remember when we talked to you, and do you remember when we went into this city? Well, for me, I want to be able to tell you what Jesus has meant to me, my memories, right, my story. Well, here's a part of my story that I will never forget. No matter how fast I ran away from him or how many times I turned my back on him, he still pursued me. Isn't that amazing? For a man who ran and ran and ran why chase a man that's running? Right? Why chase him? Like, you want to run away? Run away. Right? Isn't that what we do with our kids? You want to run? Run. Right? Just keep on running. I ain't chasing you. But Jesus is different, right? Jesus is the one that said, you can keep running, but you can't outrun me. The other thing that I love and the memories of, that I have about my own personal relationship with Christ is that he loves unconditionally. You know, we're used to a conditional love. If you love me well, I'll love you back. But you know what the craziest thing about the love of Jesus is? It's unconditional. And I have learned that because you know how many times I didn't deserve his love, but he still loved me. How many times that I did things that I wouldn't love me, right? How many times that I made decisions in my life that I would become unlovable, I think, to anybody, but he still loved me, and it was unconditional. And the other thing that I learned in my life and through my own personal relationship is this. Sometimes you can be in a room with hundreds of people and still feel alone. But you know what the thing that I recognize with Jesus is there could be hundreds of people around me. I could be in those moments in my life. I'm never alone. I could be at the deepest, darkest moments of my life and still, and I, I, I mean, I don't know how to describe it to you, but I can still feel Jesus's arms wrapped around me. Isn't that crazy? In the times of your life when you can feel completely alone, but he will be the one that will love you. Now, the other thing about funerals that are, are uh, exciting at times is to be able to hear the perspective of other people, right? So when you go to a funeral and people get to get up and they get to share and they share about memories, right, of, of, that they had in the lives of, of the loved ones that they had, 
Well, we're going to take an opportunity and we're going to watch a video here in just a second. And in this video, that's what it is. Sharing the memories that these people had with Jesus. Watch this video. It, it was a different kind of Passover, to say the least. Um, I remember right when we sat down, Philip leaned over to me and he whispers, Hey, Thomas, I feel like something special is going to happen tonight. I looked at him, I said, I doubt it. I was wrong. <laughs> Jesus got up from the table. He, he walked over and grabbed a basin of water and a towel. And I remember at the time thinking to myself, what's Jesus doing with the foot water, you know? I doubt he's going to wash somebody's feet. <laughs> I was wrong. He knelt down and began to wash Bartholomew's feet. Bart just sat there. He, uh, he didn't say anything. He didn't move. None of us did. Jesus finished and went on to James and Andrew and the rest of us. I remember at the time thinking, this is so strange yet wonderful. And then I thought, I doubt anybody's going to say anything right now. I was wrong. You know who broke the silence. Peter. No way you're going to wash our feet. I mean, that's what I told him. He could wash other people's feet, but he wasn't going to wash mine. I looked at him and I said, Jesus, you're not going to wash our feet. I mean, you're the king. And he looked at me and he said, well, then you can have nothing to do with me. And I'm like, ouch. Okay, wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my whole body if you have to. He looked at me and said, no, your feet will be fine, Peter. In the midst of him washing our feet, he teaches us servanthood. Then Jesus took some bread and some wine. He blessed it and he served it to us. He said it was uh, a new covenant with his blood and he said um, tonight all of you will lose faith in me I remember thinking right then lose faith in you never but I didn't say anything I just sat there I couldn't just sit there. I had to say something. So I looked at him and I said, Jesus, I love you. You can count on me. Everybody else may fall away, but I will not. You can count on me. He looked at me and he smiled. And he said, Peter, you'll deny me three times for tomorrow morning. Ouch. The next thing I knew, we were wrapping things up and we were headed to the garden to pray. Once we got to the garden, um, it's, it just got crazy. Um, Jesus asked Peter, James, and myself to go further in the garden with him and pray, and we did. We tried. We kept falling asleep. Um, Jesus kept waking us up. I remember one time he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's true. It's all a blur. Uh, <laughs> And I think this whole mess got started because of Judas. Did he really think what he was doing was right? There. There he is. He's the one you want. The one praying by himself. Now the others, they will come up and try to create some scene. But the one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. Now 30 pieces of silver, right? That's what we agreed upon? 30 pieces. Forget about the rest. The one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. A kiss? Judas betrays Jesus with the kiss of a friend? Uh, 
And then it, it got crazy. Uh, Peter, <laughs> Peter grabs a sword and he, he cuts off this guy's ear. And Jesus, Jesus reached down and picked it up and put it right back on the guy's head as if nothing had happened. And then, um, and then they took him. I'd love to tell you that we fought for him, but we didn't. Everyone ran. I ran. I'm so ashamed. What have I done? What have I done? Was I so stupid to think that... I've killed him. I've killed him. I've crucified Jesus. I crucified Jesus. It's what the crowd wanted and that's what they got. And personally, I don't feel like that man did anything to deserve that, but I was just a soldier doing my job. When the governor gave his sentence, that's when I would go to work. I loved that job. I felt like I was administering justice every time I nailed someone to a tree. But that man, that man didn't deserve that. Didn't make sense to me. It makes no sense. There I was, rotting in a jail cell, for stealing, murdering. You name it, I've done it. And I knew the next time I stepped foot outside that jail cell, well, and that was it. So the guards, they came and got me, and they put me beside this guy that was beaten to a pulp. Then Governor Pilate started asking the crowd, which one of these men do you want me to set free? I mean, it was obvious. I mean, the crowd, they're going to say, let Jesus go. And then I was going to tell them where they could go. And then the crowd, they started chanting Barabbas. I mean, I mean they were saying my name. They were saying my name over and over and over again. The guards, they threw me to the crowd, and, and, they, and they took Jesus to Golgotha. I mean, one minute, I, I am a man marked for death. And then the next, I'm, I'm free. It made no sense. So I followed him all the way to Golgotha. I was stationed at Golgotha that day. We just raised the second criminal when they brought him to me. I'll never forget the way he looked. He'd been beaten, spit on, whipped. He was unrecognizable as a man. Hideous. What was left of his clothes were stripped off of him and he was thrown down on the cross. That's when I went to work. Generally, when you crucify a man, the first hand is the most difficult. The criminal wants to get away, he fights you. So I would have two soldiers hold him down, but this guy, he didn't put up a fight. I just thought he was exhausted. As an executioner, I've been called every name in the book. I've had men yell at me, 
plead with me? But I wasn't prepared for that. He looked at us. He looked at me. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He forgave me. Forgive them. He said, forgive them. Who is he? Forgive. Should have been me up there. I was the one that was supposed to be hanging on that cross. He took my place. Then I looked up, and I remember he took a uh, deep, agonizing breath, and he said, it is finished. And then, he died. Surely, this man was the son of God. Be able to celebrate the depths and the beauty of the resurrection, you have to stand in this place, looking at the cross, saying, that should have been me. And not just one day, but every day. Many of times, I wake up and think, that should have been me. Many a times when the thought of Jesus being beaten beyond human recognition, I think it should have been me. The times that I see him like they talked about in the video, willingly being nailed to a cross, I think it should have been me. And it should have been you. And when you understand that, the depths of that, that he did it willingly for you, it changes everything. It changes everything. The resurrection of Christ wasn't just to give you a place in heaven, but to give you life. And you only understand that if you believe that you deserve death. And when you get to that point, the beauty of what we're going to celebrate on Sunday, nobody should have to prod you to get excited. Nobody should have to tell you to invite someone. Nobody should have to say to you, you know, you should probably be there. What other response do you have to a man who died for you? What other response? What other response do we have when he took what all of us deserved? You see, it's not that hard to get excited on Sunday 
when you understand what happened on Friday. Right? Like you don't have to work up emotion when you understand the depths of this. And one of the things I want to sit with you tonight is just one more scripture. Because here's the thing that I want you to hear is, is that I know at this time the disciples were downcast. Right? I know at this time the disciples thought it was all over. But you know how every once in a while some things start to stir inside of your mind? Some things that somebody said before? Well, this is what Jesus had said to them in John 14. Because he told them, I'm going to die and I'm going to be gone. Right? Here's what he says to them. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered them, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And I think that was stirring in their head. Right? As much as we feel like all of the hope's been gone, remember, Jesus said, you're, you're going to come back for us. You're not going to leave us alone. You're not going to go away. Like, you're going to come back. Like, I, something's got to happen. And I hope today you can sit in this. I hope you can sit and reminisce. I hope you can sit and see at the depths of his death. But not so that we can just stay there, but so that we can see the beauty of what he said in John. There is a resurrection coming. There is a new life. And with him and through him is the only life that he wants for everybody in this room. So as we sing this last song, you have an opportunity when you came in, there's a little piece of paper uh, that was on your seat. There were some pins at the end of the rows. We're going to sing this last song. You know, they're going to sing it. Feel free to sing along. But during this time, here's what we want you to do. If you feel led, right, take that piece of paper. It says, thank you, Jesus, for. Write down a memory. Write down something that you're thankful about your own personal relationship with Jesus. If you feel led, bring it to the front, drop it in the casket. That's just a symbolization, like, Jesus, thank you. If you want to keep it, you want to hold on to it, that's perfectly fine, but know that as we're singing this last song, or as we're going through this last song, we'd love for you, if you feel led, to come up and put it in the casket as a symbolization of, like, thank you. Let me pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we're so thankful, Lord, that we can be here tonight understanding the depths of the sorrow and the depths of the pain and the depths of the loneliness that came on this day. Heavenly Father, I pray that each one of us in this room will remember not just on this day, but for the rest of our life that we deserve what you got.
And Heavenly Father, I pray that as we go out from this place, not just for a day, but for the rest of your life, we will be like Jesus. Lord, the, the world sees overwhelming, overwhelming. Lord, I have no idea how we're going to get through it. I have no idea how we're going to do it. But Lord, I know this, not my will, but your will. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Say 
but you did. You drank the cup. You died for love. You didn't have to, but you did. Why would you die to save a sinner's So this is the conclusion of our service. But we'd like you to participate with this, obviously, until the end. And so what's going to happen is the ushers are going to come up and they're going to dismiss you guys row by row. And what we ask you to do is, is to just kind of line the, the way out to the front door um, on either side. Uh, and the pallbearers are going to bring the casket out and put it into the hearse at the end, and as the pallbearers are going by, these are the things that we're just asking you to sit in for a while. So as they're taking it out, and as you're seeing it come by, just think those things. Father, yours, not mine. Your will, your way. And just allow yourself to sit in the moment as the final moments of the casket going out. So I'll pray for us, and then the ushers will come forward and dismiss you row by row. We just ask you to line up. Then once the, the casket is put in, that will conclude our service and you'll be dismissed from there. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you that we can come together and um, grieve together, Lord, and sit in the place where so many people, family and friends, were at the time holding on to a trickle of hope, but believing that maybe it was all over. Um, but resting in just that fact, Lord, I don't know what the future's going to bring, but I do know this. I would rather be in your will than my own. So we'll rest in that fact. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.